tomorrow. Um, we're, we're moving services from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. That means you get the day off. You get all. You get to have a an after a morning and afternoon free to do what you need to do. And there are those that might have to work or not want to, but do. <laughs> anyway, I wrote I wrote that down, so we weren't going to go to Zion. So this, oh, and and Libby Schaefer has the symptoms of a heart attack, so she's on the way to an ER. Libby is, uh, I've known Libby for a long time, and she's hard of hearing. They're very good people, I think. Both of them attended Ambassador College, too, to, to a degree, yeah. And they live up in Oregon, uh, out in the east, eastern part of Oregon, so. But uh, they're, they're good friends of mine, and good friends of the church. They're all yours, too. I mean, they come for the feast, so. Anyway, this is, uh, this is the middle of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, fourth day, three before and three after, and you know, Daryl told me today, he said, there's only four sermons left, so they got it made, because you've got to do two of them. <laughs> so you have to put up with me tonight, and with God's help, maybe we can accomplish a goal. This is, I, I got to figuring that this is actually my 58th Passover and Days of Unleavened Bread. I was baptized in 64, and uh, things have changed uh, in those years. Uh, there are times for me, uh, uh, Passover seemed to be not as, as important as others. Uh, I know Daryl brought out here the last, I think the last sermon, how uh, we really go through and examine our house, and I can remember many, many of those times that we spent a month, and we would pull the refrigerator out, and we'd pull the stove out, and um, just really in-depth, and by the time Passover came, um, I found many times that uh, I really haven't looked into my life as much as I should have or could have, it's just, I, I find that I, I was looking so much to what the minister said and um, following them and, uh, uh, and then reading in the Bible too, you know. But we did, we did, I guess back in, in Houston area, we were pretty much pointed how to do things by the ministry. And it's good because we should have done a lot of research ourselves. I think everything has changed over in the past. My, over the 58 years in my life, I've seen a lot of changes in how to serve God and what to look forward to. And as I thought about this sermon ahead of time, I thought, I'm going to try to bring a positive approach to Passover, something I had never thought about before. Um, most of the time it's always looking into our lives, looking for every sin that we might have done throughout the, from Passover to Passover. 
did I repent? Did I hurt somebody's feelings? But I, there's another approach I want to get to, and I've got three points on that approach. I put it down as what, what I think in my life, what God is looking for from me. Because sometimes I just never gave it a lot of thought that he was looking forward to me to obey, to keep the Passover, to repent of my sins. I think of David, the sins that David did. He really, he, he killed his friend. He, one of the 30 men that was considered his top people, and he took his wife. And, and, um, but David was different. We read Psalm 51 and see that David repented, and that's why, in the way David lived his life, is why God liked David. Uh, David, like a lot of people, we can go through the people there are listed in the scriptures, there's Enoch, Enoch walked with God. And I said, well, what does it mean to walk with God? Uh, Noah walked with God. Uh, Abraham walked with God. And Abraham did some crimes. But he still walked with God. I do, I do believe that uh, Paul, even though he was the last to be brought in as, a, as a, an apostle, he walked with God. And so did the apostles. So to hit the first point, uh, I put down to be humble. We have to put ourselves in a point where when God tells us to do something, we don't argue about it. I, I've seen it happen so many times. Um, we get a sermon that says you should be doing this and, and it should do it this way. And then you sit there and think, well, I do those things. It's sort of what it says there in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, I already know it all. I have to change these things. You know, because they are the seeing people. They knew it. Why do I have to make changes? Well, if a person's doing that, is he really walking with God? In Micah, Micah chapter 6, Micah 6, I, I wrote these down because it's easier for me to read bigger print. <laughs> Micah 6, verse 8, he has shown you, O man, man, woman, people, human beings, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Now, I know he says here to do justly, love mercy, but he says to walk humbly with God. So I believe that Enoch was a very humble man because he walked with God. Abraham was a humble man. He walked with God. So here in Micah, it says to do justly. Um, what that does, does that mean? You know? Well, it's to follow what God says, to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's pretty difficult. Sometimes we can 
we can rub each other's shoulders or uh, rub our, uh, our, their ways we don't agree with each other sometimes. So we need to walk justly, do it the way God wanted to do it, the way Christ did it, and to love mercy. Be merciful. Forgive other people because they don't do it exactly the way you do it. And so it takes to have some mercy. Uh, if you've got a job, uh, whatever it is, you might have a better thought of doing something and somebody else has another thought and you're not willing to agree on that. So you can't walk with that person if you're going to fight with them. I remember I had, when I bought that B operation and I was forced into a partnership, which you should never have done. You know, God says you don't partner up with the world. Uh, we didn't agree on a lot of things. And it became a hassle and I ended that partnership really quick. I just took a great loss to get out of that partnership because I didn't do it God's way. So it's if I would have had a little mercy, or if he had some mercy, we would probably been able to do some better things. Anyway, I found out that you don't do that. You don't partner up with somebody else. And you need to have mercy. If we put heads with each other, try to see the other person's side of it. And to walk humbly with our God. So, we got to walk. Uh, Matthew 25, it says, it tells us, and it I just refer to it. You go in there and read the last part. It says, the way you treat other people, the way you work with other people, the way you butt heads or whatever, it's the way you treat Christ. It's just like being with Christ. So be careful on how you deal with each other. Have mercy sometimes and be humble. Be willing to say, okay, you're right. And I'm wrong. I, all right, I I will try it your way, and that's a lot of times it's pretty difficult to do. Something I wrote down here. There was a song wrote. Not, I don't remember where it was. It, it says, "How can I be humble when I'm so good? <laughs> when I do everything right? How it's hard for me to be humble because." I know all the answers. Yeah, well, I don't really. First Peter 5, verse 6. First Peter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Well, there will, if we humble ourselves to God, maybe it doesn't look like things are going to work out. So many times I've seen in my life I get frustrated and I can imagine bad things. You give it a day or two and you find out you had the wrong thoughts because what you think maybe is not what the other person's thinking. Maybe they're more humble than you are. Anyways, here's an example in Second Kings, an example of... Uh, what happens when you humble yourself or you, um, you, if you do it God's way, things will work out better, okay? 
Second Kings chapter 22. Second Kings chapter 22. We'll begin in verse 15. Here, uh, the prophetess uh, Hilda, the prophetess, speaking, and she said unto the king, Thus says the eternal God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you uh, to me, Thus says the eternal, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah had read. So here the king of Judah read, probably hit the, the whole country, everybody, because of the way we, and it would be that way here. If, if the leaders, leadership in God's church, and it did happen that way, if you look at it, what happened with worldwide, the leadership went the wrong direction because they have forsaken me. When you forsake God, when you turn your back on God and His way and have burned incense to other gods that, and, and you know, there are a lot of gods that we burn, we burn the incense to. to be a car or a job, family, uh, idea, uh, it could be that our congregation is the only congregation. No. That's why we chose the name a congregation. We're only one piece of God's church. So we could be burning incense by saying um, we're the only group of people. So here's the, the prophet is telling the king, um, find my place here again. Because you've forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger. So when we do things not God's way, we provoke God to anger with the works of our hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be kindled against you in this place and shall not be quenched. We don't want to find ourselves in that position where we've turned God against us. Well, we've got God angry. Uh, he's all-powerful. We don't want to get him angry. Verse 18, But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire uh, of the eternal, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the eternal of Israel, as touching the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender. So when we become humble to God, he had a tender heart, God says, because your heart was tender, and you have humbled yourself before the eternal God, when you heard what I provoked against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse. Here the king humbled himself. So if we would humble ourselves, you know, things can change. It can get better. God can overlook and forgive you if you are humble. And have rent your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the eternal. 
Behold, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered unto the grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see the evil which I will bring upon this place. So if we humble ourselves, if we get humble with God, then we're going to be, and I thought about this as I looked at the Passover coming up, God wants me to be humble. He wants me to not be arrogant, self-willed. You know, you can read all those things that God keeps telling us through Paul. So I thought, I need to find out what I need to do to be humble because I believe God wanted me, when I took the Passover, to be humble. And I had to find out what it takes. Proverbs 29:23. Proverbs 29:23. A man's pride shall bring him low. Pride is a bad, difficult thing to get rid of. But as as people, we're pretty we're pretty good. We do the right things. You know this. Our pride in America. You know we're Americans. Uh, but he says here in Proverbs, pride will bring you down, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So, there's a two sides to this. You can be prideful and show how good I know everything, I do everything. First uh, Corinthians 13 says the person that can is the greatest speaker. There's pride in being the greatest speaker. The person who has the most money, got pride in his money and how he gives it away. But we find out if they are not humble and love God, they're not going to fall into God's way of life. Right? Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Christ speaking in verse 11. For whosoever exalts himself shall be abased. So when we put ourselves out, so as I go toward, going toward Passover, am I saying I am something better? That, uh, I have a better, better job. Uh, I have more knowledge. Uh, I'm the older. Uh, you know, I, I am this, I am that. No, it says, if I exalt myself, if I build myself up to something great, I'm going to find I'm going to be on the bottom someplace. But he that humbles himself will be exalted. So I've seen this happen in, in the church of God, in God's people over the years. I see people who thought that they should be the deacon, they should be the elder, and they didn't make it. And the person who was out there serving and helping and just trying to help other people, they wound up being the ones that God put up and exalted. So it's important to realize, in, in, I found in my life, that I'm going to humble myself because God wants me, if I'm taking the Passover, to be really humble. So I need to look at my life. Uh, am I prideful? Um, do I exalt myself? Uh, do I get down and have a tender heart like the king of Israel? 
Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. Here we're talking, in Isaiah 58, it starts out talking about keeping, uh, how to have, how to uh, fast and, and how to keep the Sabbath. And it says here, talking about the Sabbath now in verse chapter, in chapter 58, verse 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, if we, if we do our own things on the Sabbath, said, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath by doing your pleasure on my holy day and call us, and then if you turn your foot from doing your ways, you know, what do I do on a Sabbath? How do I react to them? Am I humble or do I do my things? So if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the eternal, honorable, and shall honor him by doing those, uh, doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasures or speaking your own words, what do I do? Can I be humble or do I exalt myself on the Sabbath? Then shall be called. So if you don't do those things, he's saying if you take and make God's way of life the most important part of the Sabbath, not finding your own things, you make it a delight, then you shall uh, delight yourself in eternal, and I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the eternal has spoken. God says that's what you've got to do. Is you have to honor God all the way. James chapter 4 verse 6 goes on. But he gives more grace. If we're keeping the Sabbath right. If we're honoring God. God gives more grace whereunto God says, resist the proud, because he resists the proud. We should do that too, because we want to be like God, but gives the grace to those that are humble. Humbling yourself to God. In James 4, the last part of this point, humble yourself in the sight of the eternal, and he will bring you up. So we can't make ourselves the greatest. So the second point then, so I look coming up to Passover, I thought, I've got to be humble. I've got to be willing to not put myself in front or be the best person. I've got to be willing to make the change and honor God and honor God's people. So point two we can read that in Isaiah 66, verse 2. Isaiah 66, verse 2. This is the second point. For all these things, God, my hand is made. God says, you look at the earth, everything that's out here, is so spectacularly made. Uh, God made all that. And these things have been, uh, have been said the eternal. But to this person, this human being, will I look, even to him who is poor and of a contrite spirit 
and one that trembles at my word. So I said, what do you mean trembling? Do I fear to do things contrary to God? We have a whole series on, on fear. It pays to go back and go through that, through that whole series, and find out what it means to, to tremble, to fear to go contrary to God. In Philippians 2, verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, here, Paul admonishing us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Do I tremble at going contrary to God? Do I tremble at walking on the Sabbath? Do I tremble at looking down on other people? Do I tremble at how I keep the Passover? Do I really honor God? Do I honor Christ on the Passover? So, it takes the right type of fear. Do I understand, I had said as I come up to the Passover, do I understand that God is all-powerful? And if I upset Him, I'm going to get spanked. Well, God, if I love God, I will go to Him and say, correct me. I thought about my physical father. When I was a kid, I looked up to my dad. But I also feared going contrary to him because he would turn me over his lap and wave my bottom. So I feared doing things wrong. But I loved my father so much I wanted to hold his hand. I wanted him to lead and teach and correct me. Well, that's what's God. If I really love God, I will fear going contrary to what he says. It's easy, though, being a human being. It's easy. We can find and make excuses for what we do. So do I sit as I come up to the Passover? Am I trembling? No. Am I fearing of doing wrong? It, it tells us there, those that take the Passover uh, haphazardly, unworthily, are, are taking it unworthily. And to do that, you your chances of good are going downhill really quick. So, do I tremble? Philippians, I mean, I'm sorry, Proverbs. Proverbs 28, verses 13 and 14. Here Solomon tells us, He that covers his sin shall not prosper. Do I, when I came up to the Passover, do I find, uh, well, and not only in Passover, but beyond. You know, I learned... 58 years, I learn every year. Daryl pointed out, I didn't, you know, sometimes you don't think about it, but when he pointed out that you're, you take the Passover, you put sin out of your life, but then the next six days are unleavened. Do you look for those sins? Do you look and say, well, wait a minute. 
Uh, have I done something here that I'm covering up? Is there something that I that I did that I covered up? Once in a while, you find that you uh, you you clean the leavening out of your house, and you open the cupboard up, and way in the back corner is a container of breadcrumbs. <laughs> and this is the second day of Passover of unleavened bread. So, do we cover up a sin? Well, if you did, you find it, you throw it out. You get, you put that sin out there. But whosoever uh, confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. So when you throw it out, God's going to give you mercy. Happy is the man that fears always. You know, always fears from doing contrary to God. But he that hardens his heart shall fall into mischief. If we come to that point to say, well, it really wasn't that bad, or I, that was not my fault. I didn't really do that. Uh, and besides that, it was it was somebody else's fault. Psalm chapter two, Psalm two. A lot of David's psalms helps us understand how to see how to do things God's way or how not to do them God's way. Serve the Eternal with fear and rejoice with trembling. You can be happy when you do it right. And you tremble when you do it wrong. Ephesians 5, again, servant. Uh, Ephesians 6, uh, 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient unto them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling. You know, I watched some of these series on uh, slavery in the South, and when a slave didn't do it the right way, he was beaten or killed. Well, we should be that way as servants to God. God and Christ are the masters. Do we fear them with trembling in singleness of heart unto Christ? Singleness, not duality. If you're double-minded, you're like a ship out in the sea. It's tossed to and fro. So you want to be double-minded. You want to be single-minded. You want to serve God. And you can only do that if you really love God and want to do things His way. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise of being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Do we really? This rest we're talking about is eternal rest. Going into the world tomorrow, being able to teach other people. Do we? Do we fear of our response to God? Well, that's something we should give quite a bit of thought to. The third point that I looked at and I've already touched on it earlier is do I walk with God? Do I hold God's hand? Like I did with my physical father 
I look to Him for everything. If I'm going to walk with God, then as Amos 3, 3 says, can you walk together except you agree? Can you or I, can any of us walk together? Can we work together? Or can we walk with God? We have to agree with God. We have to agree with what's said. Sometimes it's difficult. I've, many years, um, I've seen sitting in this congregation, heard the sermons, um, and see people not agree with what's said. Totally disagree. How can they walk with us? How can they be a part of what God's doing? This is a, a tremendous opportunity. For me, I remember when I first um, recognized that uh, I had to move from Fort Myers to here, uh, it was like a light came on. Um, I want to walk with God. I had to agree with God. God said, come out of her, you my people. Be not partakers of what they're doing. And there's several other scriptures that tell us to leave where we were and come out. And I have seen through the scriptures that every time God wanted to work with somebody, he took them out to the middle of the wilderness so that you're not tied to this world, so you're not influenced by the, the, the surroundings. And for me, I was pretty well surrounded with my family, and I was pretty well tied to them. So I felt that I had to come out here. And when I thought about that throughout the feast of 2001, and the light came on during a sermon, and I said, I'm going to move out here because i got to get away from my family. And my poor wife sat there with her mouth open because she said, yeah, these are talk to me. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's, I wanted to walk with God. And I had to agree with God. And I had to agree with the Scriptures. Because I wasn't coming out here because uh, I, it was, I heard a sermon about that. Now, I wanted to agree with God. And the only way that I could agree with God was to agree with the Scriptures and follow what they said. You know, I pointed out earlier that Noah walked with God. I mean, Enoch walked with God. I said, why? No, Enoch had to do something in his life. And God uh, didn't make him see death. I, I feel that what God was doing, he said, I'm going to destroy, there's going to be maybe billions of people die, so he would not have to see that happen. He, he was walking with God, he loved God, he did God's way. He just want to go to sleep until the time when I'm in. Uh, Noah did that. Uh, throughout the sermon that Daryl was bringing the other day, uh, I got to thinking, you know, the boat that he built had planks that looked like they were milled. Must have been pretty advanced in their their actions at that time. So there was a lot that we don't know. We don't know. But Noah 
walk with God. So he had to be away from society when he did this. And he was a preacher of righteousness. So he was able to tell people what was going to happen. He didn't believe him. Nobody believed him. And they all drowned. Abraham walked with God. So in his life, he had to be willing to do things God's way. People say, he walked with God. So what do we do then? How can we walk with God? How can we be humble? How can we be fearful? First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians, rather, chapter 6. A sub, a sub point. Here it says, Be you not unequally yoked with the unbelievers. So that's a difficulty. That puts me back when I formed that cooperation, uh, Royal Bees Inc. I didn't look at 1 Corinthians 13. I mean, 2 Corinthians 6. Be, be you not unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness? So we have to, if we're going to walk with God, we can't be yoked to the world or yoked to a job. Or We have to be yoked to God. We have to be yoked to Christ and to His Word. Christ said when Satan approached Him and really challenged Him, the first thing He said, you have to live by every word of God. And sometimes it's difficult because we have our own opinions. So don't be unequally yoked. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Baal? So we can't have two gods. We can't have God, the Father, and Christ, and Baal or a car, or a plane, or a job, or whatever it is, whatever we put up in front of Christ and God. For, uh, for you, or for what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. God lives in you. His Spirit and his spirit is, you can read that in Galatians 5. It says, His spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. So we're the temple of God. If we have God's spirit living in us, God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We have to have God's Spirit living in us. We have to live by the Bible, God's Word, live by every word. So that's one thing that we can do. To walk with God, we can find out the things that we don't do. If we got four more days, three more days, three more days of, of uh, unleavened bread, look in your life. Am I walking with God? Am I humble? Uh, do I fear to break anything that God tells me to do? Proverbs 22, 24, 24 and 25. 
It says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man you shall not go. So we've got to be careful. We've got to listen and obey God. Why? Why does he tell us that? Well, Solomon went on in verse 25, Lest you learn his ways and get a, get a snare to his soul. So, you know, we're going to... We just don't want to do things the wrong direction. In order to walk with Emmanuel, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 says, to purge out the old leaven, our old way of life. So we want to walk with God. We want to walk with Christ. We've got to get rid of the things that will pull us down. That you may be a new lump. You know, be like Christ. We want to walk with Him. We've got to be like Him. As you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. God the Father sacrificed Christ so that we could be like and walk with Him. Therefore, let us keep the feast with not with the old leaven, with the, with the hatred, but with humility. Not with trying to cover up a sin, but fearing to do it God's way. By walking with Him. Neither with the leaven of malice, and there's a lot of Paul's writings, he goes through all the things that are contrary to God, that do, to those people that do not tremble at God's word, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. David said in Psalms 16, verse 8, I have set the eternal always before me. So, I want to walk with God like David did. I'm going to set God always before me. I can't lead. I have to follow. I have to hold his hand. He is my right, my right hand. I shall not be moved. As long as I hold God's hand, I follow Christ and walk with him, I'm not going to be moved. Again, in Psalm 26, four, verse 4 through, six, through 8, David writes, I have not set with vain people. I'm going to walk with God, so I'm not going to sit with vain people, neither will I go in with dissemblers, those people that cause destruction. We've had to put people out of the congregation for causing destruction. When they put rumors out and that are not true, or even if they're true, if they, they're done to take and pull somebody else down. Any one of us. In, in this case, they were pulling the whole congregation down. So we had to put them out. They were dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Well, that's a, that's a key factor. If we're walking with God, we can't sit with wicked people. We've got to decide who we're going to be with. Christ God or the world. I will wash my hands in innocency so I will compress 
you confess your altar, O Eternal, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all your wonderful works. Can we do that? Can we talk about God? His works, what He's done, the way He does things. I look at this beautiful uh, world, this um, greenhouse that God made. Men cannot even compare to the greenhouse that God made. Just can't do it. So I can look at all that God does and just marvel. I can marvel at uh, people. Marvel at how our bodies are made. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house. I love to be a part and be in God's church and be a part of his place. And I think that's one of the things that we need to do. So, the relationship, my relationship with my father has to be what I really look forward to when I come to the Passover and through the days of unleavened bread is my relationship with my spiritual father much better, far above what I had with my physical father. So I want to be with him. I want to walk with my father. I want to walk with Christ. I listen to the Messiah uh, after Passover, most of the Messiah, and twice I played the trumpet will sound. And I can remember crying out to God and saying, I want to be there. And if I want to be there, I have to walk with God. I have to learn how to be humble. And I have to really, really fear treading on any of God's commandments. Because that's easy sometimes. I'm a human being. And I know that I can, I don't know whether you have that problem or not, but I can justify myself. I really can. So, I want to be humble. I want to fear treading on anything of God. And I want to walk with my Father. I want to hold His hand. I want to be there. And I want to see those graves out here in this little graveyard. People raised from those graves. And I want to be able to see all of you rise to meet Christ. And I want to be there too. I want us all to, to do that. So, we've got four days. This is the fourth evening. So, let's look and see where we stand. Are we ready to walk with Christ?